Welcome to the Marriage Steps Podcast, where developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve, and following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. The Marriage Steps Podcast is listener-supported, so to help keep it on the air so couples worldwide can receive hope for their marriage, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. Two quick announcements. The first one is I'm starting to go live on my Facebook and Instagram accounts on Saturdays at 12 noon. So bring your marriage questions, tell your family and friends about it, go to my page on Instagram or Facebook, which is Dr. Wyatt Fisher, and I'll be happy to respond back to your marriage questions. So every Saturday, 12 noon. Second announcement, which I'm really excited about, is I have written my first book. My first book is coming out on Thanksgiving, so November 26th, and it's called Total Marriage Refresh, Six Steps to Marital Satisfaction. So this book is a culmination of my own marriage lessons since 1999, working with couples in my private practice since 2004, all the marriage books and research I've done, and my marriage conference that I've been doing the last seven years, which covers the six steps. So if you're looking for a marriage workbook, a marriage manual on how to do things right, you're going to want to check out this book. It can become a resource for the rest of your marriage. So it's available now for pre-order. If you go to Amazon, just type in Total Marriage Refresh. If you want a paperback, you have to wait till actual Thanksgiving Day. But if you want an e-version, a uh, Kindle version, you can pre-order it today. So Total Marriage Refresh at Amazon. Okay, so the marriage questions of the day. Number one, how do we share power on finances? This is a big one, and I get couples asking me this in my practice. How do we share power? They don't use those words, but that's what they're getting at. It's so easy to have imbalance when it comes to money because usually one partner is controlling around money and they micromanage it, and the other partner is a little looser with money. So the first step to becoming a team and sharing power with money is you want to have a written budget. Now, when some of you hear the word budget, you may crawl out of your skin because it feels really refining and controlling, but it doesn't have to be. All a budget is, is a list of all of your expenses and all of the different categories where you're going to spend money for the week or for the month. But you want to have a budget that you both agree on. Some of the categories are going to be non-negotiables like electric bill or mortgage payment. But some of them are discretionary, like how much we spend on groceries or how much we have for spending money for the month. But you want to sit down with your partner, if you haven't already, and create a budget that you both agree on. And you're going to have to negotiate some of those discretionary categories because it's not going to be how you want it. It's not going to be how your partner wants it, but you have to meet in the middle. So that's enormous, having a budget. And then second, you want to do the, the bills and review the budget regularly together whether it's once a week, once a month, you want to have a financial meeting with your partner to touch base, look at your financial goals, see where you're off, see where you're on. Those types of behaviors, having a written budget and having regular financial meetings are two steps to creating shared power with finances because you both want to have a voice. You both want to feel like your preference financially is honored in the marriage. Number two, How do we know if we are compatible? This is a big question that comes up when couples are struggling and one of them is thinking about divorce. Because normally when we're that far down in our marriage, 
we start reassessing and we start thinking, maybe we're just not compatible. Maybe this just isn't going to work. And then that in and of itself becomes a reason to step further away from your partner because you conclude we're just not compatible. But there's a great quote that I love, which says, a happy marriage is not about how compatible you are, but about how you deal with incompatibility. So let me say that again. A happy marriage does not depend so much on how compatible you are, but how you deal with incompatibility. So all couples have areas of incompatibility, a lot of times big areas. Mine does. My wife and I are opposites in a lot of areas. And so you'll find that. So most couples have areas where they're completely different, and that's okay. What matters is how you deal with the incompatibilities. Are you sharing power in those areas? Are you trying to negotiate compromises? Are you respecting the differences? Are you trying to meet in the middle? That attitude is what's most important. So it's not how compatible you are, but how you deal with incompatibilities. Third question. How do we become a unified front as parents? This is a big one, and this divides couples all the time. Because we're so different, partner A may be strict, partner B may be lenient, then when you have a child, you can't agree on how to discipline the child. One parent thinks the child needs no consequences. The other parent thinks the child needs 10 consequences. What do you do? The first thing you do is stop responding to your child before you're on an agreement with your partner. So don't tell your child what you're going to do, what the consequences are going to be or not going to be, or even the answer to some of their requests until you consult with your partner first. Then you get with your partner behind closed doors, and then you talk about what you think on the topic that's at hand with your child. You're going to have different perspectives. You're going to think different things should happen. And that's where you start to share power. You need to negotiate. You need to try to meet in the middle because both of you are not going to get 100% of what you want. You have to try to step toward your partner, which means giving up a little bit of what you want while they give up a little bit of what they want so you meet in the middle. And once you agree on that compromise, now you're a unified front. And then you go back to your teenager or your child and present to them the answer. You tell them what the answer is. So that's how you become a unified front. You don't respond to your child's requests or your teenager's request. You meet with your partner behind closed doors, reach uh, a compromise, and then you come back and present that to your kids. Okay, so the message of the day, five variables to falling back in love. So the first variable that influences falling in love or falling back in love is the season of marriage you're in. So marriage goes through seasons. And just like our weather, the first season is summer. Things start out hot. So if you're just dating someone and you're just getting to know that person and everything is new and electric, you can fall in love very quickly. It can happen within a few weeks to a few months. That does not mean you should get married that fast. You should wait at least a year of dating someone before you consider getting married because you need to really experience them and a lot of elements. You need to get to know their family. You need to wait until that new rush of love fades so you can see more clearly. But the beginning of relationships usually starts with summer. And so that's when couples fall in love really fast in, in 
in the beginning of the relationship. After summer comes fall. And fall is usually after at least a year and a half of being together. Maybe you've moved in together, maybe you've gotten married, you've been together for a few years, and this is where you're still in love, but not as much. And maybe some resentment start creeping in. You start having some conflicts and you just don't you're not meeting each other's needs as well. That's fall. And then if you don't handle fall well, you're gonna go into winter. And winter is when your needs are definitely not being met. You don't feel in love. There's lots of conflicts. And this is where things are really, really hard. But for couples who dig in deeper and they get help, they can make it out of winter and go into spring. And spring is when the weather warms back up. The birds start to chirp. The the warmth comes back in the air. This is where your needs start to be met again. This is where you start to fall back in love. But if you've been in marriage for a while and you've gone through fall and you've been in winter, it can take some time to fall back in love in spring. So it depends on how long you've been married and it depends on how severe your winter has been. That can influence how long it will take to fall back in love in spring. The second thing that can influence falling back in love is resentments. How many resentments do you have and how many of them are unresolved? Resentments will not allow you to fall back in love. It's incompatible. Speaking of incompatibility, you cannot fall in love with someone that you resent. And so a first step with couples I see in my practice is we tackle the resentments because things are not gonna get better until those are addressed. And that's where you wanna use the reunite tool. And you wanna use the compassion chart. Those are the top two tools that you can find on my website under marriage tools. And there's blog posts about them under my marriage blog. If you go to drwyattfisher.com. So how much resentments you have, and if you've dealt with them and worked through them, that will influence how long it's gonna take to fall back in love. The more resentments you have, the less you're working on them, the more they're just dormant the longer it's gonna take to fall back in love. The third thing that's gonna influence how long it's gonna take to fall back in love is your motivation. How much do you want things to get better? How much are you willing to do whatever it takes to improve your marriage? How much are you hustling to get things improved? How much are you looking at your part, taking ownership for your peace? How much are you investing in your relationship? That all comes from motivation. If you're not very motivated to improve your marriage, guess what? It's gonna take a long time to fall back in love. In contrast, if you're highly motivated to fall back in love because you wanna get to that good place, you're gonna fall in love faster. You're gonna do whatever it takes. You're gonna be more action-oriented and you will fall in love quicker. The fourth thing that influences how quickly you will fall in love or fall back in love is how much support you have. So if you're in winter, there's almost no way you're gonna make it out on your own. You're gonna need some help because we can't be marriage experts to our own marriage. I've tried this. My own marriage has been in winter before and I thought I could be our marriage counselor because that's what I do. But it didn't take me very long to realize I can't be our marriage counselor. I'm not objective, first of all, because I'm in it. And my wife doesn't see me as a marriage counselor. See, she sees me as her partner with strengths and weaknesses. So if you're in winter and you wanna fall back in love, you need support. And support can come in the form of books. You can try my book, The Total Marriage Refresh. It can come in the form of podcasts, like this one. It can come in the form of retreats. 
like mine. Some of you have been to my retreat, Total Marriage Refresh Retreat. But a lot of times it comes from marriage counseling because marriage counseling allows you to really work through those resentments and really flush them out and really understand where your partner was coming from and really try to discuss all the elements and all the angles of all the things that got you there. So a lot of times marriage counseling is required to unearth all those resentments and and work through them thoroughly so you can start falling in love again. So your level of support is gonna influence how quickly you fall back in love. The more support you have, the faster you'll get there. The fifth element that will influence how quickly you fall in love is if you're following the love buckets. For those of you who don't know, the love buckets is a huge thing I teach on. What it says is that we each have a love bucket inside of ourselves and our partner is a faucet. And in the beginning, they're pouring water into our love bucket full speed. They're doing all the right things, they're saying the right things, and our love bucket's getting fuller and fuller and fuller until finally it's filled. That's when you fall in love. But what happens is when we're together with someone for a long time, over a period of time, unintentionally or intentionally, they turn down that faucet. Our partner turns down the faucet. So now there's just a drip of water going into our bucket, and then simultaneously they start doing things we don't like, and that creates a hole in the bottom of the bucket. So water starts draining out. And before long, our full, our full bucket gets lower and lower and lower until it's dry. And that's when you fall out of love. So to fall back in love, you gotta do what you did in the beginning. You have to start filling up your partner's love bucket again, which begins with understanding the top three things they need to feel loved and satisfied. You have to find out what that is. And you have to start doing it. And then you have to find out the top three things that you do that they don't like. That's the drainers. You have to stop the drainers. And so if you simultaneously start filling up your partner's love bucket while you also stop doing the drainers, if you do that long enough, you become irresistible. And that will make your partner fall back in love with you. So those are five variables that can influence how long it takes to fall back in love. Number one, the seasons of marriage. It depends on what season you're in. Number two, resentments, how many resentments you have and how much you're working through them constructively. Third is your motivation. How motivated are you to improve things? Four is your level of support. The more support you have, the faster progress you'll make. And five is love buckets. How much are you filling up your love buckets, your partner's love bucket? How much are they filling up yours? Thank you for listening to the Marriage Steps podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review. Click the five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more reviews I get, the higher the podcast will appear on search results so more couples can find it. For more marriage resources, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. And if this podcast has helped your marriage, I would love to hear from you and interview you so you can be on the podcast because your story will inspire countless others. So please email me if that's you. It's info at drwyattfisher.com. And remember, your marriage is alive. So if you care for it, nurture it, and nourish it, guess what? It grows. But if you deprive it and neglect it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you. Take care.